0: Today's episode is brought to you by Edutainment Games. No, 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 I can't have taken months off and come back just to have the next game on my list be an Edutainment Game. Oh, oh, if only I'd known that this was an Edutainment Game. But no, now we have to talk about the secret Mega Man Legends game, Rockman Dash, Great Adventure to Save the World, on today's episode of What Am I Podcasting For. Hello, and welcome to What Am I Podcasting For? My name's Garlisle, and this is the show where I chronicle my attempts to play through the entire Mega Man series. From Mega Man 1 to Mega Man 11, and as many of the 100-plus games in between as I can manage. And this week... We're going back to our favorite developers, Strawberries Software. If you don't remember the name, I don't blame you. They were the Taiwanese company responsible for developing Mega Man X Math Whirlwind, the absolute nightmare that that was, and Mega Man IQ Whirlwind, the almost passable edutainment minigame collection that that was. Well, now, like a year later, they tried a third time, this time using the Rockman Dash license, or Mega Man Legends, as you probably know it. Officially titled Rockman Dash Zhengzhu Diukyu Dao uh which there's no way in hell I just pronounced that correctly, Great Adventure to Save the World is set up pretty straightforward. When you boot the game up, your main menu has six options, which provide fake 3D by rotating static single images, save data, load data, settings, controls, exit, and of course, play game. We'll come back to that in a moment. Play Game puts you into the main mode of the game, and this is the core edutainment mode. In this game, you have been tasked with saving a city that Teasel Bond has randomly set up just a ton of bombs in, because apparently that's just a thing he does. I do have to say, this being Legends and stuff, they did actually attempt to emulate Legends, by which I mean they went for 3D. Now, it's not actually the worst early 3D that I've ever seen in my life. There's, like, decent-ish use of textures, not really a whole lot of stylization and stuff, still still very baby's first attempt at 3D, but it's functional. Or I would like to say it's functional. The first thing that this game suffers with is the fact that, It was never designed to run on faster computers. Well, this is where it gets really weird. If you are standing completely still, the game almost runs at an uncapped frame rate. You will watch cars on the street just tear by you in blinks of an eye on infinite loops and everything, and it's utterly ridiculous. The moment that you are moving, the game will slow down to a crawl and will move at the pace that you, like, actually figure it was probably designed to move at. I don't know how they manage this. Tying game speed to framerate was like a super amateur mistake, and even the previous games weren't doing it, and it only happens when you're standing still, and that's really weird. Anyway, we don't actually have a whole lot of control here. We have a forward, left, right, jump, we have a back step for some reason, but there aren't like any enemies, there isn't much to interact with in this very, very basic city layout, other than running around and trying to find these bombs within a certain time limit. Once you find a bomb, it's time for a quiz. Yep, surprise, it's IQ whirlwind 2. This is the edutainment aspect of the game. You get a quiz... You have a 99-second timer, however, every time you get a question incorrect, your time is docked, and you need to get a certain number of questions correct in order to successfully defuse the bomb. Fail, and not only does the bomb blow up and cause a game over, but you are treated to an FMV view of the city exploding, so that's cool, I guess. You know, assuming the game doesn't crash first, half the time whenever I try to access a bomb, the game would just give up, so that's fun. But that's it. Your goal is basically to run around town and try to defuse all the bombs as fast as you can. I believe they're in completely static positions. This game could theoretically be speedrun, and you might be wondering, well, how does that fill an entire episode? The truth is, is I partially lied to you. One of the options on the main menu looks like it's controls because it displays a controller, and that's actually game mode, where it turns out this game isn't entirely an edutainment game. Game mode is a little bit different. For starters, it actually has a story to it. It begins basically on some sort of space station where the Bonds have suddenly developed a space armada of ships and are coming in to attack this space station, and it's up to Falnut to protect the space station and theoretically save the world from the Bonds, who have now promoted to space pirates, I guess. Most importantly... This is why the game has a save and load function, because your progress in these games is actually saved, and I believe if you can complete all of the games, there is actually an ending. There certainly is in the videos where Mega Man is able to successfully activate all of the space station's defenses, and ends up completely obliterating the armada that the Bonds have sent after the place. And all of this, by the way, is in actual FMV cutscenes. This game has significantly more effort put into it than Math Whirlwind and IQ Whirlwind did. In fact, you'd almost think they were looking at games that were successful at the time, given that after the opening cutscene plays, we load into a hub, and this hub is like it's the camera in the middle, and you run around it, and it's just a circle with different doors that lead to different games. And it really reminded me of the Crash Bandicoot 2 hub, which Crash Bandicoot was the year before this, and was actually a good game. Like, it's just weird to see how similar that was. This game runs into the uncapped framerate SU, and this time it doesn't care if you're moving, so it's a little bit tricky to end up in the door you actually want to. But the idea is, is that there's several different games in here, and... That's where we're going to spend the majority of this episode, so let's dig in. Game number one can be thought of as kind of a reflex-testing game that, again, taking a look at it has some serious Crash Bandicoot vibes going on in it. It is, again, getting rendered in full 3D real-time, and the idea is, is that you're basically riding a glider rail type system in a city that seems to be largely exploding and trying to make your escape through it. Your only real interaction is the ability to swing left or right on this rail and use this to lean towards gems for points, dodge bombs that deal damage to you with you get a game over after hitting too many, so on and so forth. It is a relatively simple game, but it is effective, it does what it wants. Very Crash Bandicoot. It's kind of reminiscent of being chased by the polar bear that were introduced I think in Crash Bandicoot 2 where you're running towards the screen while whatever is behind you, and you're given very little time to react, and that was always my disappointment with those stages in Crash Bandicoot 2, and it's a bit of a problem here. Now, theoretically, because your only options are to move left and right, it should be easier than the Crash Bandicoot stages. This forgets about the problem. These stages go way too damn quick. Most of the time, the 3D sections in this game are not frame rate capped. It never, it didn't like instantly blitz to the end of the level, but also realistically, I just had to guess where things were going to be, which is rather unplayable, as you might imagine. If I saw the explosives, chances are they were already on top of me, and I had to just already be in the correct location to not get hit with them. So this mode is functionally unplayable, but it isn't. A bad idea. It's a mode that I'm sure, if I wasn't running at a computer that completely overpowered this game, it'd actually be fine, if simple. The second game makes a little bit more sense as part of an edutainment package because it's a very simple mental game of... uh Man, there's got to be some proper name for it. Dots and boxes? Essentially, the idea is that either two players playing against each other, or you versus an AI, have a grid that hasn't been filled out. And you can fill out one line on the grid at a time. And the basic idea is that whenever your line completes a box on that grid, you mark down that box as your own, you get a point, and then you get to go again, as opposed to normally alternating turns. So the idea is to slowly whittle down the map, forcing your opponent to eventually create a situation where you can just chain off and fill box box after box after box after box. It is technically a solvable game, which makes it a good thing that the AI is actually imperfect, because if it was a perfect AI, I'm pretty sure you'd need to know the secret to beating it. When I talk about a solvable game, by the way, I'm talking about like the way that tic-tac-toe... Technically, there are ways to approach tic-tac-toe that ensure that you always win, or at least draw, because there's only so many possible options, right? But it is a fairly simple game. The AI does make mistakes to make it playable. It would be a functional, if very basic, way to play this game on a PC, if not for the fact that they chose some um, irritating audio. There's, like, this constant beeping while the game waits for you to make your decision. There's a slightly awkward 3D angle. They really wanted to make this 3D, but there's zero reason for it to be displayed in 3D. Whenever the AI servebot takes its turn, you have to listen to an alarm blare three times while the game figures out what the servebot's going to make, and that just, with this grid taking, um a few minutes to fill. That is a lot of time to hear that sound effect just blare over and over and over. <sighs> I'll come back to game 3 in a moment because it's actually the best one, but we'll talk about game 4 first. Game 4 is Baby's first 3D platformer. Um you're using the same base 3D engine as in the city, complete with the game running at ridiculous FPS the moment you stop moving, so keep that in mind. But what you are essentially doing is navigating the inside and sometimes the outside of the space station. You don't really have the ability to interact with anything, but instead the game makes a point to have obstacles like sliding walls, moving platforms you need to cross on, even using Reaverbots from the actual Legends game as wandering dangers around the map that you need to avoid. And this does actually make some use of 3D space. You'll need to catch elevators to go up and down floors and not just to the next stage either but like that's actually part of the stage design there's extra lives to pick up to make up for the fact that it is super easy to fall off into pits and just instantly die speaking of which that is this thing's problem i wouldn't actually completely hate this like again they were like trying but To create some interesting levels, especially later on in the third level, you get, like, spiraling paths around the outside that you need to carefully navigate. But it's so easy for the things to just not work. Like, you did not realize that the floor in front of you is not actually a floor, but not being sure whether you need to just wait for it, or, like, getting onto the moving platforms in the second stage is kind of a nightmare. They're not smoothly moving, they move in like chunks at a time, and sometimes they are just ever so slightly off from the floor, but because they are ever so slightly off, you will fall right between them, even though it's a paper-thin crack. Uh, For a company that had previously done Math Whirlwind and IQ Whirlwind, this is an almost okay 3D baseline for a platformer, maybe. I've I've seen worse from people. It's just, you know, I've seen way better. I probably shouldn't be trying to be nice to this, but my standards for this company are so low after the Whirlwind games. Oh, and then Game 5 also shows exactly why my standards are low, with, um, it's Sokoban, again. You know, the block-pushing puzzle where you have to push blocks to specific locations. Now, this time... You do have to usually get multiple boxes onto target points as opposed to just a single one. For some reason, there's bomb tiles now, which after you step on them, 10 seconds later, they will explode and game over you if you're standing on them. But that's never going to realistically happen. And like, yeah, technically it's a fully fleshed out thing. It's got 99 stages. This time the stages vary a little bit more in size and scale, which I guess is nice but it's also still just Sokoban. It's the most basic form of puzzle game. And this one even gets awkward because, again, it insists on doing it in a 3D view, but does that, like, tilted a little bit in such a way that down is a little bit more like down but 15 degrees to the right, but then as you move around, the camera will tilt relative to your position, and sometimes down is more like 45 or 60 degrees to the right from down. Yeah, it it doesn't feel the greatest. Meaning that somehow they created Sokoban with bad controls. What? But there is one thing that sort of half-redeemed this game to me, and it's game number three. In this game, you get a grid-based stage where Mega Man is on a jet scooter facing a specific direction. He has a goal somewhere in the stage that has a specific entrance that he has to reach. The idea here is that when you plus play, Mega Man will automatically travel forward, turning to the right whenever he hits a wall in front of him, or, you know, left if that's the only way he could possibly turn, and basically just traveling automatically on loop. And the idea is that you are interfering with the grid by placing down ramps, directions, and other gadgets that the game gives you in order to try to direct Mega Man into the goal. It is kind of akin to the Sega Dreamcast classic Choo Choo Rocket, which is impressive given Choo Choo Rocket is a game that would actually come out at the end of the same year. So this time it wasn't copying it. And it's absolutely not as in-depth as Choo Choo Rocket, a game where you had to guide a whole bunch of mice and you had to keep cats away and all these sort of things. Like, Choo Choo Rocket, amazing game. When are we getting a port, Sega? Why have you never done this? The basic idea here is still the same you have to figure out how to transform the route that Mega Man is automatically going to go, based on all the different obstacles and walls and stuff that are already on the stage, into one that will actually get him to his goal. It is worth noting that these do technically act as 3D, which is something that wasn't in Choo Choo Rocket, because the ramps don't just act as one-way paths where he can only go up them from a specific direction and then they act as walls in the other direction. The ramps also can allow him to climb up and over blocks and walls that would normally be in his way. And that actually creates some interesting puzzle-solving opportunities across the, like, 50 different stages. Every single one of them is a different configuration and gives you a different toolkit to handle that. And it's actually just a decent puzzle game. Not groundbreaking, not as in-depth as Choo Choo Rocket would show the system to be, but remarkably solid and actually fairly creative. Now, I doubt anybody who's listening to this podcast is out there looking for a Choo Choo Rocket great value brand equivalent. Like, really, if this sounds interesting to you, I know I've said the name a ton of times, but please go look up Choo Choo Rocket. But I wasn't expecting a half-decent game, much like I wasn't expecting the half-decent puzzler that was an IQ whirlwind. Point is, is while much of this game is they tried, but this is the part of the game that turned out okay. Anyway, that's the five games that are included in this. You might notice I haven't really been using music from the game. I've been using the audio that accompanies the various FMVs because there isn't music in this game for some reason. I don't know if it's just something that was lacking on the disc or something that failed to properly decompress. There's really just a number of possibilities for what's going on here, I don't know. But yeah, no music sure doesn't help. And it's weird, because the previous games did do music, even if they were um, largely copyright. Hell, there's actually, like, a really nice guitar solo during the credits FMV, but I don't trust that to actually have been original work, so I'm not going to put it in the episode. But that is pretty much everything there is to say about this game. I know it's a short episode. I'm trying to get okay with having short episodes again, and we'll be back to more of an actual Mega Man game next time, I promise. But we'll come back to that thought. How is this game overall? Like I said, I've been trying to be nice to this game because it's actually just straight up probably overall better than IQ and Math World were. Strawberry Soft was actually learning and improving. Credit where credit is due. This is a game that shows significantly more effort than its predecessors. Yes, it has the whole edutainment IQ quiz and some games that are more focused on, like, you know, the mental side of things. Even the basic platformer is kind of more of a maze navigation, spatial awareness type of thing, you could argue. But they are trying. The CG's basically prove it. There's even some rudimentary voice acting. The Choo Choo rocket S game, is pretty fun. I'm sure the quiz game, if I could read Chinese, is at least passable. The reflex-based rail game would probably be fun if it ran at a reasonable speed. Like, yes, this is absolutely an inferior product to the actual Legends games, and is kind of a blight upon their name, but I don't hate this one the way that I hated Math Whirlwind, for sure. If I had this game as a kid, and it was in English, you know, I probably could have sunk a decent amount of time into just playing around with its modes, and that that is sort of the goal of these kind of games. Like, I'd rather have been playing actual Mega Man games as a kid, but, you know, there is still two more Taiwanese Mega Man PC games, and they're going to be A little bit difficult to handle, and are going to be separate episodes, but I don't believe either of them are edutainment games. One of them I have gotten running successfully, it's just very, uh, very much I need to explore its mechanics, because there is not any good documentation of its mechanics anywhere, and I would like to try to do something like that. And second off, the other one just is a little fidgetier to get running, and is going to take some work. But next time you hear from me, we'll be playing something a little bit more standard, a little bit more expected. I don't know. How does Mega Man Extreme sound to y'all? How does some Game Boy attempts to translate the X series sounds? Because honestly, I don't know how it sounds. I've never played it, and that'll be fun. So if you liked what you've heard, feel free to send me a message at what am at gmail.com. Twitter is still functional somehow. What am I podcast for using the number for? You can get our next episode probably next month at your favorite podcast provider of choice or just WAIPF.podbean.com. Thanks for listening. I've been Garlisle and just remember if the Bonds are indeed space pirates now, I absolutely believe Tron Bond would try to replicate Morph Ball technology using the serve bots. It would go horribly, but she would try. Get over! Play through the entire Mega Man series, from Mega Man 1 to Mega Man 100... Mega Man 100? <laughs>